Not quite Peter Mullen this week. He is away on holidays, but he has entrusted his program to the man I like to call Mr. 1974 because he looks like he has uh, stepped straight out of 1974. David Marsden, good afternoon to you, sir. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mark. That's a compliment. Oh, I hope so. Yes. I hope so. Look, right. t- look today you've uh, got a, a very interesting topic, one for the lads for us, uh, natural therapies for prostate cancer. What have we got coming up? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about um, what actually goes on with prostate cancer, how what the survival rate is. I'm going to talk about nutrition. And some of the uh, techniques that they use for measuring um, prostate cancer and just going through that. So good nutrition, everything, some good active stuff. David, prostate cancer is uh, something not to be taken lightly, very, very seriously. Um, For fellas listening this morning, uh, let's have a look through some of the risk factors that uh, may point to this. Yeah, uh, so I wanted to start with, you know, um, the prostate cancer risk factor as we get older um, tends to be more prevalent. Is there okay? a particular age that look, guys look, should be look, thinking about? Look, of I this? think that we should really monitor our our prostate more, you know, aggressively after about 50. You know, so from 50 onwards. But I actually wanted to sort of um, say about this is that prostate cancer actually is a very, is mostly a very slow-growing cancer. So actually the, the, the five-year survival rate is actually very good. It's actually a hundred percent. So, 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 you know, I mean, you don't get much better than that. That's what that's what I mean. So, the actual survival rate is very good. And then, you know, with all our treatment and all that sort of stuff, it's it's actually really good. So, we don't see many people, not many men, with general prostate cancer. So, there is other types that are a bit more aggressive, and particularly if it metastasizes, then that that means spreading. It it um. It can, it, it can be quite, quite um, devastating for the family. But what I wanted to sort of say is I want to actually d- delve a little bit more over to um, what we call um, benign uh, prostatic hyperplasia, which is basically um, uh, a, a inflammation, I suppose, of the prostate. And so the reason I want to talk about that is that that actually is actually a lot of people have that, and we find that's a lot in the older age, you know, 50s, and most men around 80 generally have that. That's where they'll have um, uh, nocturia, where they'll have the frequency of urination at night. They'll have problems in um, the actual flow of the urine. Um, it'll be painful sometimes. Um, those sort of things are what we see with those sort of things. The issue is that with that BPH, um, BPH, what actually happens is the cells actually change around the, the prostate, the, the actually close to the urethra. So it's actually close into the, the prostate area. Prostate cancer, however, actually affects the cells further out from that prostate. So that's why what I'm saying about the importance of this is that if we have this BPH, um, benign prostatic hyperplasia, it's not a bad idea as a warning factor that we should really monitor the, the uh, and do some testing like PSA and all those other testing as we get. Yeah, so it's like a pre-warning for us. Does because, one lead to the other or are they uh, There is a chance that it can. And that's where, where I'll come in and I'll actually, if somebody comes in with that BPH, I'll actually think, okay, what are the chances of this being something leading to prostate cancer, bladder cancer, bladder stones, 
um, these sort of things. So I, I actually use that as a bit of a warning. I'm not saying that will, but it, it's sort of like a pre-warning because bladder can, uh, sorry, prostate cancer actually is asymptomatic. So you don't know when you've got it. So if you can have this beep, this this um, benign hyperplasia, well, then it might actually, um, it could be a pre-warning for that. And we may have some cancer cells growing. So it's really important to sort of get that monitored early rather so than later. So certainly if you're in that space, yeah. uh, might have some checks done. Yeah. Uh, is family history something? Absolutely. That... Yeah. So we, we, we do see that running in the family. Um, what I, one of the things is also diet. Um, so prostate cancer is an inflammatory disease. Okay, so anything that's going to make it more, encourage that inflammation to grow is naturally something that we would, as naturopaths, trying to keep down. So carrying extra weight, obesity, okay, infection, these sort of things are key factors that you must monitor. And that's where, I guess, as naturopaths, that's where I'd come in and really sort of check on those sort of things. When you say infection, what can you so, do that so if So that would be things like um, you can get a, a bacterial infection, okay? So that in the, the prostate area, right, which causes inflammation, which then can lead to possibly this, this, this inflammation causing this prostate cancer. So it's just warning factors, mm. you know, just warning things that we need to keep on track. Yeah. Is there some data in and around diet as well and absolutely. how this may play absolutely. an effect? Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the World Cancer Research Fund did a survey and they actually looked at, um, I think they did 33,000 men they surveyed in, um, in the UK and what they did was they found that the best diet, and this is really important, this is, this is what naturopaths are really good at, is diet. The most important diet is having about five serves of vegetables and fruits per day, okay? Exercising, 60 minutes per day. And I'll go back into that exercise because that's another thing. Alcohol, less than two drinks a day. So I don't know how how that goes with you everyone. Haven't, you haven't taken taken yeah. a wander through our sales department yeah, at all, yeah. have you? No, no, I haven't. And also coffee, coffee as well, keeping that low as well. Again, see sales department. <laughs> and um, making sure, I guess, uh, so keeping our fats low, okay? So Dean Ornish, the famous um, author, he did a survey and he recommended more of a vegetarian diet. So that's with a and keeping fats less than ten percent, and he found that that it, he was getting actually a downgrading of what they, what the primary marker for prim, uh, prostate cancer, and that's a PSA. And this is something we see across um, cancer generally, isn't it? Absolutely, in terms of diet. yeah. Now the key thing that the World um, Cancer Research Foundation said: just doing one of those um, items isn't going to help. You have to do all six. So that means exercise, diet, keeping your weight under your BMI between 21 and 23. So that's quite low, lean. Um, caffeine and alcohol at less than two a day. So, And the exercise, I'll talk about exercise. Exercise is very important, 30 minutes. But what was trained... Uh, shown to be more effective was vigorous exercise. So that's weights, doing weights, bike riding, those sort of things. They actually found that 
doing those sort of things actually gave a better result. David, a little early, we looked at some of the risk factors. Uh, what about some of the symptoms that guys should be uh, looking for and potentially may have a prostate in, uh, situation happening? Okay, so I guess the symptoms with prostate cancer are, like I said before, more asymptomatic. So they're not really so sort of um, noticeable, but it, sometimes you can get uh, a urinary incontinence, inability to urinate. So that means that the prostate is really sort of quite swollen and, and wrapped around that urethra. Um, weak urine flow, so pain, blood, um, so pain in the lower back, hips, those sort of things can it's be that, can be far widespread. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it can actually. Uh, go into that area. So what normally happens is um, that, and this is what we do uh, generally recommend for the guy is to um, actually be a bit more um, proactive and get out there, see their GP, and um, I would recommend uh, a what they call a DRE, okay? So a DRE, can you explain that to yeah, me? Yeah, so a DRE stands for Digital Rectal... Um, Examination, which is probably not one of the most favourite things that we we um, look for, anyway. But um, it is probably the most accurate, okay, way of doing it. And then they'll do a PSA. Isn't it funny that with all the advances we've had in anything medical, that for test of prostate cancer, it's still yeah. a finger. It's, yeah, it's That's still still, still the, basic, the still basically that that sort of it. But it's the best way. And um, so they'll they'll do that, and then there's, if if there's any sort of signs of any abnormalities or anything like that in the prostate, they'll actually do further testing. Okay, so so that will um, be a PSA, which uh, is isn't exactly the most accurate way of um, uh, doing a pro- measuring for prostate cancer because it's actually not actually a marker for cancer; it's actually a marker for um, inflammation. Okay, so so there needs to be further inv- examination. So they'll actually see where your prostate, the PSA will be. They'll do a DRE, and then they can do other testing. So they'll do further testing. So they'll do um, a free PSA. They'll do velocity PSA. So all these other tests gives them a bit more accuracy because they don't want to um, necessarily uh, alarm somebody because. Like I said before, prostate cancer is a slow-growing um, cancer, mostly, and um, it's really some. A lot of times, I see um, the prostate cancer actually people just dying of old age with prostate cancer. So that, that actually doesn't really affect them at all. So um, uh, I would I would be uh, having that full gamut of testing. Now we used to there used to be a sign where the GP would recommend what they call a watch and wait. So the PSA is rising very slowly. There's not too many um, symptoms. You know, their their flow's reasonably okay. But there is signs of that the PSA is showing something. So they'll do further testing. And what they can do, the most accurate, the gold standard, is a biopsy. Okay? So that's where they'll take so many um, little uh, stick and needle 
and they'll take so many little biopsies of the prostate. And they'll do roughly between 10 and 24, depending on the level of the PSA. David, uh, before we move on, are there a couple of other symptoms there that uh, guys might be wanting to look at just to make sure we've covered everything off? Yeah, uh, look, uh, look, what actually can happen also is they can get um, the restriction in flow, blood in the urine, as I said before, mm-hmm. but they can get actually a, what they call a twin flow, so whereas the urine is split. Okay, so that can be another sign. So it means that, so what do the, you mean flow, that? the flow actually is like in a sort of split apart. So it means that there's definitely a restriction in that. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's actually flowing, like split in half. Okay, um, you'll get that. Um, and what what they'll do is they'll do what they call an active surveillance. And that means that... We've got a private ma- eye on the job Yeah, or Yeah, it sounds like that. Yeah. But actually, it's a really good way. I really like this way of, of treating and looking after is that they won't actually do um, uh, a biopsy... W- every 12 months or six months um, because it can be quite painful and and uh, not the most fun thing that you want to go through. So rather than just doing it on a regular basis, they'll measure the PSA and velocity, right? That's a different test. And they'll take an average of those and it'll give them the chances of whether that prostate cancer is actually growing, right? And then that'll actually say, well, um, we need to do the um, biopsy every 12 months or maybe we can extend it out and do it every two years. And so that then creates less stress for the guy because you know having um, 10 to 20 biopsies taken uh, because it does inflame that, that, um, that prostate and it can aggravate a little bit of that cancer. So um, it just it aggravates the PSA. So when they do a PSA test, it'll show unknowingly high, but it's more that inflammatory issues from the biopsy. Good afternoon, John at Barnsley. You've got a coffee slash alcohol question in relation to prostate cancer for David today. Yeah, so hello, David. Yes, you mentioned coffee and alcohol. Yep. Um, I probably have about three or four cups of coffee a day yep. and a couple of glasses of wine in the evening. Yep, yep. Um, now, is, is four or five cups of coffee in a period of 24 hours excessive? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, I, I would say um, that <laughs> coffee is interesting uh, in that it's uh, one of the oldest herbs on the planet, um, except when we have, and it's very good for you. It's got, a, you know, it's got, some, got some good things about it, except when we have four or five. So we need to keep it down to below two. Uh, is the ideal. So for for your your health and well-being, you need to get your coffee and keep your um, alcohol at less than two glasses. Is the well, that's the researched um, amount that that the World Health um, the World um, Cancer Research Fund recommended. So okay. I would be getting it getting it down to. At least that. How do you think you'll go with that, John? Is that doable for uh, you? No, no. Um, yes, yes. But could I substitute tea for coffee? Uh, uh, it, it is. If it was green tea, yes. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Not, nice try, John. Thanks for your call, OK? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry to put a bubble to you. <laughs> there we go. Well, he tried. Yeah, <laughs> no, I did try. You don't yeah. ask, you don't yeah, ask, you don't uh, get. I only give you what's researched and, um, you know, what, what I know is the truth, yeah. Yep. What I know is the truth. Absolutely. And you also got the program title in there as well, for your health and well-being. I <laughs> yes. love that. Uh, so we're wrapping up with the prostate cancer. So, so I guess some natural ways I, we can I, help. Yeah, there, David. I'm excited about this. This is um, 
these products uh, or these um, foods, mm. foods, I would say, uh, uh, have been shown to significantly um, give us some reduction in the PSA and reduce the amount of inflammation. Because like I said at the first part, cancer, prostate cancer, is an inflammatory issue. So anything that can be anti-inflammatory is going to help. So one of the key things, I think everybody would know this, is about tomatoes. So tomatoes are particularly good for because they have what we call an ingredient called lycopene. And lycopene has been shown to reduce your chances of getting prostate cancer, also helps to reduce the inflammation. So we say about a cup of tomato juice is, a, is the recommended amount of lycopene, which is about 23 milligrams. Okay, so, so tomato juice... Uh, anything tomatoey, tomato paste, tomato juice, uh, tomato paste tomato on a pizza? sauce, tomato tomato paste on a on a gluten free pizza. I'm I'm sounding like John from a little earlier. Well, I've got tomatoes on my sandwich yep, for lunch. So fantastic, that's, that's great. So, what, what about some other veggies? Okay, so I the other the very interesting um, two vegetables. Okay, so I said that we need to have four to five vegetables per day of fruits and vegetables. But one of the exciting things is broccoli and cauliflower have been significantly about 45% reduction in PSA just by having those two. So we don't, so with my patients, my key thing is they must have those particular um, vegetables in there. In their, um, Do we find there's much of a difference between consuming them fresh as opposed to cooked? Uh, no, there's no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so whichever one you want to do, I it depends on what else is happening, but um, there, there's a great yeah, difference. Flax seeds, excellent, are doing that. So um, except you have to have a lot of flax seeds, about um, four and a half tablespoons of flax seeds per day, always ground. That can be a lot. But you can always put them in your smoothies, sprinkle them over your porridge. Flax seeds are great. Fish oil, omega-3. Again, these are all anti-inflammatories. Fish, great product um, and uh, a, a really good sign to reduce these. Um, green tea, as I was telling John, you know, really good to have, you know, four to five cups of green tea a day. I really like that. Um, the other one that you may not might be a bit interesting is pomegranate juice have you heard about that one mark pomegranate juice excellent for reducing testosterone and that particularly is important when we look at prostate cancer and um, about a cup of pomegranate juice that's the un without the sugar there's various varieties out there check the one with the least amount of sugar pomegranate one cup per day fantastic and finally a bit of uh, exercise as well oh We've got to do the exercise. You know, that, that's, that's a, a given. You have to do exercise and vigorous exercise, vigorous exercise. David, just like that, we've run out of time. Oh, how amazing. Uh, a great talk today. Uh, thanks for coming in, David. Now, next week on Health and Wellbeing, Peter's still away. Uh, Amanda Trigger will be in talking how to reduce uh, your toxic load. David, do you have a great afternoon? We'll talk to you next time you're here. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. That's Health and Wellbeing on Sue and RFM 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.